Uh, thank you. Have a seat. It's so exciting to be with you today. Um, I have had the privilege of um, being able to serve generations for a very long time. Um, that is Dave's really kind way of saying I'm actually quite old. So, you know, um, I actually... <laughs> he goes, it's not true. It actually is true. Um, I, I now have the privilege of seeing kids that I got to do kids' church with having their own children. That is a pretty cool place to be. And particularly when you see them in the house of God, serving God with all of their heart, that is truly amazing. But my greatest roles in life are that I am the wife of a great man called James. I am the mum of three beautiful daughters, Christina, Emily and Rebecca, who are all married, and Nanny Allie to five and three-quarter babies. So <laughs> it's a pretty good gig right now, I have to say. So let's pray this morning. Father, come. Holy Spirit. There's nothing that I can say this morning that brings transformation except if you breathe upon it. So Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Break down the places that are hard in our hearts. Bring healing to broken places. And Father, open our eyes to see what you see. For your kingdom and for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to put my eyes on because otherwise I'm just making things up. All right, I want you just to close your eyes for a moment, if you would. And I want you to picture your community. Not the landscape, but the people. Now expand your picture and just imagine the world. Every culture, every socioeconomic group, God's people. People who do not even know that this is who they are. Just for a moment, try and see what God sees. Okay, open your eyes. So let me ask you this what did you see? What did you imagine? What was the age of the people in your community? Because if you only saw adults, you didn't see what God sees at all. In Penrith, children under 14 make up 21% of our population. And if we add young people, 15 to 19, they make up 30% of our population. And across the globe, Children under 15 make up every third face that Jesus sees. So if we're to see our community as God does, we must begin to see generations. We have to see what he sees. We have to see the world the way that Jesus does. And we have to, in order to do that, we have to see generationally. We have to look at our world, not through our lens, but through his. So I want to show you a photo. This is my beautiful granddaughter. Oh, <laughs> that's Talia. <laughs> She's now 13 months old. She's very cute. But Dr. Wes Stafford, who was the CEO, CEO of Compassion, said this, 
formed in the image of Almighty God, a child already has gifts to bring to the world. What happens in the next moments, hours, days and years will determine whether or not that God-given potential is realised or lost to us all. What happens is up to us. At every moment, every hour, every day, every year, they matter. It matters. At 9am on Friday, May 13th, 2022, I took a class of kindergarten students for their first scripture lesson at a local school. Nine beautiful, neat little people sat before me expectantly. It was 9am. And I asked if anyone knew what we would be learning about in Scripture. No one did. So I said, we're going to learn about God in Scripture. And immediately, one of the little girls said, what's God? Not even who's God. And none of her peers could tell her. Psalm 78 verses 1 to 7 said, My people listen to my teaching. Pay attention to what I say. I will open my mouth and tell a story. I will speak about things that were hidden. They happened a long time ago. We have heard about them and we know them. Our people who lived before us told us about them. We won't hide them from our children. We will tell them to those who live after us. We will tell them what the Lord has done that is worthy of praise. We will talk about his power and the wonderful things he has done. He gave his laws to the people of Jacob. He gave Israel their law. He commanded our people who lived before us to teach his laws to their children. Those born later, would know his laws. Even their children yet to come would know them and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God. They would not forget what he had done. They would obey his commands. So how was this her question? Because what happens is up to us. Not just me. Not just your youth team, not just your kids team, not just Dave and Joe, but up to us as parents, as as disciples, as followers of Christ. It's our responsibility to ensure our generations know Jesus. Because if we won't tell them, who do we think is going to? So I want you to turn with me, if you would, into 2 Kings chapter 11. And we're going to start in verse 1 to 3. It says this, Athaliah was the mother of Ahaziah, and when she saw that her son was dead, she took over. She began by massacring the entire royal family, but Jehoshaphat, daughter of King Joram and sister of Ahaziah, took Ahaziah's son Joash and kidnapped him from among the king's sons slated for slaughter. And she hid him and his nurse in a private room away from Athaliah. He didn't get killed. He was there with her, hidden away for six years in the temple of God. Athaliah, oblivious to his existence, ruled the country. This woman set out to kill a generation to fulfil her own agenda. 
The opportunity presented to her was to raise a generation, but she instead set out to kill them for her own personal gain. And across the world this morning, the enemy is again killing a generation to fulfill his own agenda. He's using men, he's using women, he's using governments, he's using whole nations to seek their personal gain at the cost of children's lives. This year, 3 million children will die of hunger and 5.7 million are on the brink of starvation. 1.2 million children on any day will be trafficked for financial gain. They will be sold as a commodity in a market. Two million children, mostly girls, will be abused in the name of tourism. 215 million will work as child labourers producing our clothes, coffee, chocolate and sporting equipment. 250,000 will act as child soldiers and 40% of these are girls and they will be forced into marriage as child bride for adult soldiers. There were 21 million reports of online child exploitation in 2021 and that was just what was reported. Penrith has the highest reported rate of domestic abuse in our state alongside significant problems with addiction issues. For one in three girls and one in five boys, home and bed are not safe places and we are yet to see the full impact of what young people, particularly young men, are watching online and carrying into relationships, but it has already forced a change to consent laws in New South Wales. We are seeing children and young people profoundly affected by rising levels of anxiety and mental health issues, loneliness and identity confusion across churches, youth groups, choirs, kids clubs, connect groups in this nation. Children are groomed and abused by those who say they represent Jesus. The enemy has a clear agenda to kill, steal and destroy. And so we must be those who rescue children from the hand of the enemy. The figures can be overwhelming. And we may ask, how can we make a difference? The reality is that Jehoshaphat couldn't rescue all the children, but she rescued the one she could. And God looks out across people, the children that he loves this morning, and he sees those whom we can rescue those both close to us and those in the nations around the world. He sees the girls in unspeakable situations. He sees the hungry. He sees the children sorting rubbish in a slum. He sees the orphans. He sees the children holding weapons of warfare. He sees children of divorce torn by parents fighting. He sees the little girl next door to you who is unsafe every night. He sees the child living with drug addicted parents. He sees the confusion, fear and shame gripping hearts of those engaged with online abuse and he sees those entrapped by those who say they love God but whose only agenda is to gratify themselves at the cost of a child's life. He sees the one asking, what's God? He sees, but will we see? Because the God I know would pick them up and hold them close and tell them how they are loved and he would wipe their tears and he would make them safe. He would if we would. 
because we are his arms this morning and we are his words and we are his actions and we are the ones to rescue. Because if Jesus is your Lord this morning, then you are the flesh and blood revelation of him on earth right now. And if it is in our power to rescue a child, we must act as Jehoshaphat did and take the opportunity presented to us. So I'm going to ask one of the mighty Rotniak boys to come and help me this morning. Come up here because you're going to be my King Joash this morning. And I'm going to ask a few volunteers to come and surround my mighty king in the temple. Who needs a weapon of warfare this morning? (laughs) I actually would love a couple of people to come and help me. All right. Yep. Awesome. I need six people if I can. So I want you to stand here for me. Take a sword. Stand. No, you. Take a sword. Awesome. Take a sword. All right. I want you to surround our young king. Oh, one more. I love it. (laughs) I need one more. (laughs) All right. I want you guys to surround our young king. I want you to stand shoulder to shoulder in front of him and guard him. Hold your swords high. So right in front, shoulder to shoulder, face out, guard this young king. And let's read the word of God. That's it. So we're picking this up in 2 Kings verse 5. And um, it's the priest who's speaking. He said, then he commanded them. These are your instructions. Those of you who come on duty on the Sabbath and guard the palace and those of you who go off duty on the Sabbath and guard the temple of God are to join forces at the time of the changing of the guard and form a ring around the young king. Weapons at the ready. Kill anyone who tries to break through your ranks. Your job is to stay with the king at all times and places, coming and going. The captains obeyed the order of Jehodiah the priest. Each took his men, those who came on duty on the Sabbath and those who went off duty on the Sabbath and presented them to Jehodiah the priest. The priest armed the officers with spears and shield originally belonging to King David, stored in the temple of God, well armed. The guards took up their assigned positions for protecting the king from one end of the temple to the other, surrounding both the altar and the temple. It's a beautiful picture. So let's think about this for a moment. See, Joseph here, he's like, "Uh, kids are not really my thing. So he's going to take a seat. And unfortunately, My beautiful friend here, she's like, well, kind of busy, so she's going to take a seat. And unfortunately, it's like, well, you know, actually, I'm just in the music team, so it doesn't really apply to me, so he's going to take a seat.
sorry, I'm just a connect group leader. And we don't have kids in our connect group. Hmm. You know, back in my day, we didn't have to worry about all of this stuff. Now let me ask you something. How easy is it now for the enemy to access the generations? Because it doesn't matter how passionate Dave is. The limitation of his ability to protect them is because the church has walked away from their responsibility. And left a generation asking, what's God? That happened on our watch, in our time, in our generation. And God is calling us to stand up and form a ring around a generation and guard them and protect them from the enemy who seeks to destroy them. On duty, off duty, called to children's or youth ministry or not, An army took up their weapons to protect the coming generation. They surrounded him and fought for him and worked together. They did not abandon him to the enemy. For Joash, the temple was a place of safety. Here he found a culture of protection and safeguarding. All who were within the temple were charged with the responsibility to protect this young man. And it's the same with us today. We set a culture of safety and protection to guard our generations from the weapons formed against them. It is a commitment we make and a diligence that we adhere to in order to protect and guard them. We consider the risks and we work to make it as difficult as possible for anyone whose agenda it may be to harm a child or a young person or somebody vulnerable within our community to access them. We don't live with a spirit of fear, but courage, wisdom and a fierce protectiveness against the wolves amongst our lambs. Back in the day is one of the frustrating statements I hear because back in the day kids were being abused and abuse was swept under the carpet over and over again and those who were tasked with protection acted like Athaliah. And that's the truth. And This place should be a place of safety. The reality is that actually this place can be safer than even our homes. And I read this morning the story of a woman whose life was destroyed 
because somebody who was supposed to represent God accessed her in her home, became trusted and simply said, I like the view from the veranda upstairs. But he didn't go to the veranda. Safe church culture is visionary leadership. It understands the value of vulnerable people and seeks to ensure that all steps have been taken to protect them from harm. It means that as we, um, as Christ followers, as parents, as leaders, not only recognise the value of each individual, but also recognise how creating a safe culture bears witness to Christ within our community. You know, this mighty temple army picked up the weapons of the temple and surely we have some of those, right? Do we not have shields of faith? Do we not have a sword of the Spirit? Are we not called to be soldiers of Christ, armed for warfare? Can we not surround our generations with prayer? Will we not be there to guard them in our homes, in our church, in our families and in our community at large? At what point? Has it been okay for us to go off duty? You know, we have to be those who will recognise the worth of each one and fight for them. We need to stand between them and the enemy. Um, Probably, I don't know, probably nearly 20 years ago now, I went to India, I led a team to India. We had uh, a missionary couple that we were supporting. And um, so this was up in Jaipur and... I led this team up there and while we were there, the Champions League cricket was on. Now, we had gone at a time that there'd just been bombings in in Mumbai on trains and so there was a massive amount of security and we were working with kids in the slum. And so we thought, you know what, we're going to take these kids to the cricket because, you know, if you know India you would know that taking kids to the cricket who would normally not ever be able to get there is like the most amazing thing to be able to do. So we got these 20 little boys and, um, you know, we had this massive security and because we were with these little boys, they sat us, they had this apartheid system going, right? So there was the Indian side of the stadium and then there was the Aussie side because Australia was playing. First time Mitch Johnson ever bowled. If you're a cricket fan, you'll know why that's significant. All right, so we're we're on the Indian side and then there's soldiers with like AK-47s literally in between us. So we're we're sitting this side and we've got these little boys. And these young guys came and sat behind us. And one of them slapped one of those boys over the head and went, get me water. I am a small human. Don't get me mad. (laughs) My host had to hold me in the seat. I was like, how can you devalue someone like that? He is treasured by the King of Kings. And you have treated him like he is nothing. And it was just the most heartbreaking moment. You know, this priest presented Joash, this little boy, to the army as their king. 
and commanded that they protect him if necessary with their lives. And they did. They did so. They believed in who that child was and who he was called to be. And they acted upon the value that they placed upon that child. Because if we won't fight for what we don't value, in what we don't believe him, it's why children and young people and people are exploited all over the world. You know, I don't think that any of us here this morning would say that children are not valuable, but our actions reveal our heart. So let me present to you this morning the sons and daughters of the King of all kings, the children of God. They come in every colour, all cultures and from all nations. They come clean and they come dirty. They come educated and unable to read or write. They are small and they are taller than me by the time they're 12. They are tattooed and they are pierced. They come attached to technology and unable to hold a conversation. They come weak and with bravado. They come meek and highly opinionated. They come with all sorts of lies and brokenness within their hearts and lives. But as children of Almighty God, they deserve to know who He is and who they really are. They deserve to be raised as royalty, not discarded. They deserve to be raised as royalty, not neglected. They deserve to be raised as royalty, not abused. They deserve to be raised as royalty not go hungry. They deserve to be raised as royalty not exploited. They deserve to be raised as royalty not ignored. They deserve to be raised as royalty and not even overindulge. They deserved to be raised as children of God, holy, set apart, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, the sword of the Word of God and the power and the purpose of God. And we are called to be the army that understands the value of each one and acts upon it. To stand together and not allow the enemy to break our ranks, whether we are on duty or off duty. We are called to surround this generation and protect them and fight for their lives. And we need to be those who will raise them up to be all they can be. You know, this story goes on. In verses 12 and then 19 through to 21, it says, Then the priest brought the prince into view, crowned him, handed him the scroll of God's covenant and made him king. And as they anointed him, everyone applauded and shouted, Long live the king! He arranged for the officers of the bodyguard and the palace security, along with the people themselves, to escort the king down from the temple of God through the gate of the guards and into the palace. And there he sat on the royal throne. Everyone celebrated the event and the city was safe and undisturbed. They killed Athaliah with the royal sword. Joash was seven years old when he became king. They took Joash, they crowned him, presented him the covenant, proclaimed over him who he was, anointed him and led him up to take his place in their nation to fulfil the call of God upon his life. And he in turn turned Judah back to God and restored the temple, the place for God to dwell in his nation. They took this child and they crowned him. They told him who he really was, who he was called to be. They gave him the words of God. They anointed him in the presence of God and they led him up to fulfil his role. 
you know, we have to be those who do the same with our generations. It's not enough for just us to rescue our kids if we do not give them the gospel as well. You know, 1 John chapter 5 verse 12 is a verse that all of us need to memorise within our soul. It says, he who has the Son has life and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's simple. And we need to tell our children who they really are and who they belong to. We need to give them the words of God and allow the anointing of God to come upon them. When they have this truth as their foundation, then they can be all God has called them to be. And then they too will lead nations back to God. He didn't wait for Joash to grow up. At seven, he took his place as the leader of a nation. And we shouldn't wait either. Because the truth is, they may not all grow up. I worked in accident emergency for three years. There's a little girl that changed my life. I don't know her name. She was 10. And her parents were refugees from Vietnam. She had asthma. And they didn't know how to call for an ambulance. So by the time they got help, this little girl, she came to us. We tried. We tried. We tried for hours. We tried for hours to get her to breathe again. But she died. And she never heard the name of Jesus. And I'm not here to debate theology. I just know that she deserved to know that there was a God in heaven who loved her, a saviour that would hold her, and a heaven for her to go to. And across the world, in your city, in our city, in our nation, there are billions of children just like her. And they deserve to What happens in the next moments, hours, days and years will determine whether our generations will realise their God-given potential or it will once again be lost. They're in our hands and this is our time to rescue them from the hand of the enemy that seeks to destroy It's our time to act upon the value that we place upon them. It's our time to stand guard and protect them. It's our time to bring them the gospel, to tell them who they really are, to allow the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon them and to release them to be everything God 
has called them to be. Athaliah made a choice to destroy a generation and serve herself. Jehoshaphat made a choice to save a child, raise a king and lead a nation back to God. It's our time to choose. Because what's God is a question our children should never ask.